Welcome to Mountain View Church, where our love for God leads us to love our world. Hey, this week, for those of you that have been around, you know the, the drill, sort of. What we do is every year we have an annual pastor's planning retreat, and we lock ourselves away up in the mountain in uh, the Sierra Nevadas, and we just really go at it, and we plan everything out uh, for the year, and we evaluate and all that, and it's good. Thank you for those of you that prayed for us. It went well, and we'll be giving you some updates as the weeks and date, you know, weeks roll out here, but... As a result of that, on this Sunday, it's really difficult for somebody to really prepare a sermon and be ready. And so we do a testimony Sunday, which I think was kind of similar to a lot of what they did in the early church before they had the Bible. They would have people talk about what God is doing in their lives and their experiences with the Lord. And so last year, you remember, we had our nurses. They did a great job. And this year, you know, we've had a lot of fires. Fires have been breaking records. And we also happen to have a number of firemen who uh, attend our church. And so we decided to ask these guys, and these are just four of them, the, to just go ahead and uh, share a little bit about themselves. So I'm going to interview them today. And um, they're, they're not, as, not as pretty as the girls last year. It may have a little harder to look at, but, you know, but bear with us. We're going to have a good time. Any of you guys, any of you guys ever pose, you know, do the calendar thing? No. Oh, Randy did. I thought so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Well, what we're going to do is just to get going, we'll let you know who these guys are. Let me do a quick intro of them, then I'll let them tell you a little bit about what they do. Um, most of you know Randy. Randy Carter um, been here with his wife, Sharice, and family since the very beginning and uh, is on our board of directors, uh, leads a small group with me and great buddy, and he's been up here before. So you know Randy's face probably. Doug, maybe not as much, so he hasn't been up here, but he's been here with his wife, Sharon, and family from the very beginning of our church. And uh, we, you may remember praying for Doug. He was in the campfire in paradise fighting that, and we prayed for him when he was there. And I thought it would be good to, to get his perspective, another good friend. Um, and then Barry, um, why are you here? <laughs> Barry, uh, Barry has been here with his wife, Amory, and family since the beginning. And uh, they're in the, uh, the Curry McDonald um, small group, and he sets up faithfully every week, so he's a behind-the-scenes guy, and his daughter, Alexis, is going to upstage him today by being baptized afterwards, so this is an exciting time for the family. And finally, we have Clay, Kassan, and they were not here at the beginning, but these guys have been about three years now, almost, or? Yeah, two, two, okay. They, they just have fit right in. They're also in the Curry McDonald a small group. Uh, Laura sings a lot of times up front, and these guys just are involved in so many different ways. They're just wonderful people, and um, we're blessed. We're blessed to have these four guys in our church. So what I'd like to do to start with, and, and as you, I didn't tell you guys, but when you talk to the mic, make sure you get it up close so we can hear you. Um, just to, to tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing now, you know, presently, what you're doing, and we can kind of piggyback from there. What, how, start, we'll start with you, Clay. So I'm pretty new to the fire service, uh, unlike these guys have a lot more experience, but uh, I did 10 years of uh, active duty Coast Guard. I worked on rescue helicopters as a crew chief, and uh, now I'm a reserve firefighter in Manteca, so I'm uh, working toward getting a full-time job there. So it's good, good variety. We're going to have a mix of people here, and uh, yeah, Clay's had a lot of work as a first responder, and now he's working into the fire business. Okay. 
so yeah. I, I can plug for the used car dealership. That I have. <laughs> yeah, it's his no. used car. This is what happens afterwards. Right, right. Uh, actually, uh, I retired from the Stockton Fire Department. I was in the Tracy Fire Department for three years. And after the Tracy Fire Department, I went to the Stockton Fire Department for 22 years. So, And then prior to that, I was, uh, matter of fact, I came across paths. We didn't know it until we started talking about it, but uh, when I was a volunteer, with uh, Industrial Fire Protection District uh, prior to getting hired for about a year and a half. Uh, I, I had come in just after he had uh, gotten out of an area close, which was Burbank Paradise. So, And, and, and Barry is the only one who invited me to his um, retirement. Um, of course, it was a surprise, so he didn't invite me. His wife did. Um, but that was a fun time. That was a fun, celebrative time. When I yeah. finally got yeah, <laughs> and, and he could, should never have been a cop because he, he ran into me and, and didn't even know that I was there as a surprise. Remember that? I, I fooled you on that one. Yeah. So not a detective, but a good fireman. Um, <laughs> Doug? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, what are you blessed. doing now? Or, yeah. Right now I'm working uh, for Patterson Fire Department. Been a captain there for six years. Uh, prior to that, 30 years at San Ramon over in the Bay Area. And uh, before that... Uh, volunteer Burbank Paradise and seven years paid at Stan County. Yeah, and, and Doug was telling me a story, and this is really amazing today. It's almost unheard of, but um, Doug actually started with the 18 years of age or something like that with the fire department. You started really at 18, but prior to that, we're going way back older than dirt. Uh, <laughs> we started the first fire explorer post at Burbank Paradise, and I was uh, 15 or 16 years old at the time. Wow, so you so, just... You, that's you, all I know. That's all you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're a fireman. Okay. And Randy? Uh, retired uh, about a year ago from Alameda County Fire Department. Um, they, they called me about two months in my retirement and asked if I would come back and work part-time, doing some prevention work, some inspections, uh, some training, some emergency preparedness. Um, started shortly after high school and... Um, it's truly, as Doug said, it's the only thing I would know how to do. Thank God he put me there because I, I don't know how to do anything else. But I, I do know how to do that. <laughs> Very good. So we'll hang on. We'll go back the other way. So, so we got some good background on these guys and, and their experience has been great. One of the things I really enjoy about these guys is their humor, by the way. Um, firemen, I think because that's a coping mechanism that they've actually said that they use, but they're the most fun people to be around. If you want a good laugh, um, they, they do keep it loose and they're a lot of fun. Um, and there's a lot of camaraderie. They, they work a lot together and that's what they do. They build good relationships. Um, I want to ask a question now, which is probably the biggest question of the day. And this is really for all of us to think about here. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says that we're to do everything, you know, all to the glory of the Lord. And so that means your job. It means everything you do. It means your interactions with people. It means whatever you do, you do it to glorify God, to make him known. So your job, you know, should, your vocation should intersect with your faith. They should really come together. You're, a lot of times you think, well, Ron, you're a minister. Well, no more than you are. You know, we're just ministering in different ways. We have different gifts, and we're being used in different ways. So I want you to see that your career is really your ministry. You don't want us to look at it that way because that's the way God looks at it. And these guys, this is what they've been called to do, as they've said. And so, you know, how, how do you see God at work in your work? And what we're looking for here, and you guys can share this in different ways, but it may be you see somebody saved, that 
shouldn't have been saved. You see God's hand in saving a person. Maybe your life has been saved. Or it, it could just be an interaction that you had with somebody that was in a crisis or, or even a personal, you know, a lot of times it's your colleagues because you spend so much time together. Maybe there was an opportunity to share Christ with them or maybe God spoke to you through some incident. You know, those, it's pretty open, but I'd like to, to kind of hear from you guys on this. Randy, you want to start? And well, then, I guess I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got the bike. I guess I will. Um, I did a little bit of math, um, and I took uh, the average number of calls uh, that I run, and if I ran that average number of calls, these guys probably are similar, um, maybe more, maybe a little less. But uh, through, through my career, I ran about um, 16,911 calls. Uh, that's a lot of 911 calls to go to. Um, and in my district, about t- because of where we are, about 25% of those were actually traffic accidents. Uh, so that's about 4,000 traffic accidents. Um, and I found that in traffic accidents, uh, that's a time. Sometimes we go there, uh, we get our traffic control set up, we get our ignition sources managed, we get in, we treat a patient, we get the can opener out, we get them out, we get them on a gurney, put them in the ambulance, they're on their way to the hospital. Um, and there's not a lot of interaction with the people. But more often than not, at a traffic accident, uh, you get there and there's somebody standing on the side of the road. And their car's completely mangled. It rolled down a hill. It's been smashed. It's just an absolute mess. And they're standing there. Well, now I'm going to get a report. Do you guys know we got a report to write? Randy, keep we, your, keep your, we, you guys we got your paperwork. Yeah. We got yeah. paperwork to do. We got a report to write. That gives us face-to-face time with somebody who almost died. Um, and in those moments, uh, I had the opportunity to help people see what, without a miracle, probably would have happened. And you, these guys have been there too. You, look at your car, buddy. Man, uh, you weren't supposed to die today. I don't know why. Do you know why? Do you know why you weren't supposed to die today? I don't know why. Uh, and you get them to think about it a little bit. Um, and that conversation almost always becomes a pretty meaningful conversation. It's often a reboot time for that individual. So I would just share that in, in those moments. And, and, and I couldn't go to, I, I guess could, but I'm not going to go to any particular one. But let me just say, I've seen miraculous things happen in that moment. And I think li- people's lives were changed in that moment. And it was always an honor to maybe help them see, see that. That's neat. Doug. A lot of the calls that we run are uh, medical emergencies. And uh, a program that was started in Patterson about four years ago was a chaplain program. And you'd get to a medical emergency, and you're doing CPR on somebody, and you're working together with your team trying to save someone's life, but yet you know this probably isn't going to end up being a good outcome. And even if it is, the family members, loved ones, they need help. And uh, I know I can make a phone call and get somebody there to care for that family and not knowing what their faith is, whether they're believers or not. There's going to be someone there to take care of them and see this through. And if they're not believers, very possibly make them believers out of what happens that day. And uh, it's, it's a huge help to us. That's great. 
That's great. And Randy even said, it, it, as hard as it is, I remember in one of our conversations that it's, it's a privilege to be able to even tell people that their, their loved one has been injured or even died. It's an honor in a way. That, that sounds strange, but it is, you know, because you're able, that's a very important passage in their life, and to be able to do that in an honorable way, because somebody has to do that. Um, very difficult, but I appreciate it. And, and you can see, by the way, why there's humor in this, because if these guys don't laugh, um, they're going to be pretty sad. They, 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 they take on some... It, it's not really the... One of the things I picked up talking with you guys is it, this isn't the glorious, you know, kind of hero job that people think it is. This is... Um, you guys basically go through a lot of pain, um, a lot of stuff you don't even want to share, but you do it because it's the right thing to do. And uh, oh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> So we got one. We got one of them. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, we got one hero here. Okay. And how about how about you, uh, Barry? What what are some of the things that you think of? How do you top that? Right? I know. Yeah. Um, well, I was I was probably one of those guys that uh, kind of got my eyes open. You know, much like Randy, I was a captain with the Stockton Fire Department. I got uh, promoted young, uh, so I was a captain for about 15 years. And uh, prior to that, uh, we had, uh, you know, had some close calls. I, I left Tracy because I wanted more calls. So uh, Tracy wasn't that busy at that time. Uh, a, a typical year for the Tracy Fire Department was one less, we ran less calls with three stations than we did at one slow house in Stockton. So I went to Stockton to go, you know, run some calls. So um, one night... I was on duty, and uh, in the city of Stockton, when you have a structure fire response, every house in the city lights up, so everybody knows that something's going on. And then from there, it was a second alarm, and uh, then so we started paying closer attention because it was in a district that we would go next on a third. So it wasn't too much longer after that, and we're listening to the radio conversations that they have a really bad uh, incident happen to where they have a collapse in the building. So they keep calling for uh, all the crews and two of the guys they can't find. So, yeah. So we, uh, we get called on the third because that's the, the next thing to happen. And as, as we're pulling up on scene, uh, you know, of course, we're still listening and, and they still can't find the two guys. So they, they do locate one of the guys. And he actually, there's three guys that got involved in the collapse. One guy they were able to get right away. One guy took him a little while to get, and he was just leaving in the ambulance when I got there. And the third guy, it took a lot longer to, to finally uh, get him. But at that, at that moment in time, it became pretty sobering as to, you know, this isn't, oh, hey, I get to go on all these calls and do on all this stuff. It's what, what is it that <laughs> kept me from being on one of those first-in engines? And so you just, you kind of reevaluate what your life has been. I was, I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic private school and then kind of veered away from that and then realized that, you know, just because you're 33 years old doesn't mean that there's still a lot of life left. So that was kind of a wake-up moment for me at that time. So, so that was kind of where things kind of turned for you and you yeah. became more serious about your faith yeah. as a result of that. Good. Thanks. That's a good thing to share. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, yeah, I've had a, f a few wake-up moments as well uh, with my faith. And like Randy was talking about, you know, a lot of our stuff is medical calls. Well, 
I did a lot of time on a BLS ambulance, and I can think of one time that I got called to pick a guy up at his house, uh, my age, five kids, and uh, terminal brain cancer. So we were taking him to hospice, basically. And you show up at the house, his whole family, there's probably 20 or 30 people in there, knowing this is the last time they're going to see the guy. And that right there, that, that made me stop and think, you know, about my own life, my family, my kids. And, uh, but I, I thank God in that moment for actually putting me on that call. I felt like I was supposed to be there, and it gave me an opportunity. I got to pray with his wife. I got to pray with his kids and stuff like that. We get opportunities like that um, a lot, and just to take advantage of it. I mean, it means a lot to people they know. They know it's going to be the last time they see their dad and their husband, but, you know, they, just to give them that reassurance and let them know that God's there and to pray with them, that, that, that's really helped me. And that's stuff like that. that that's what makes me continue in this, in this career path. I mean, uh, that and I don't think there's anything else I'd be able to do either. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really eye-opening sometimes. And, yeah, I'm good at driving a truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how these guys start off driving trucks. Barry, I learned, you know, drove truck for a long time, and then he got in, and, um, and, he, and he aced his test for, for being a truck, you know, for driving the, the fire engine. Um, but then, then they made him a mechanic, which is what he didn't want to do. But uh, it's funny, you know, how you, all these experiences, and I think that's a God thing, too. You know, they're driving truck, not knowing what he wants to do. Next thing you know that comes in handy and, and the door just opens up from the drive a fire engine. And the next thing you know, he's, you know, working with the fire company, you know, it's just God, a lot of times we don't even realize it. And I think a lot of you guys that are young, you know, look, thinking about your career, it's amazing how God will direct those paths. If you're just, you know, following him, keeping your eyes open, doing what he calls you to do, those pieces come in place. And, and Clay for a long time was doing the, um, you know, that Coast Guard, and that was a crazy thing too. Yeah. Could you share your story about the helicopter? That, uh, that's an amazing story. I'd like to hear a little bit of that. Well, I've, got, I've got a lot of helicopter stories, but that would take all day. Uh, but one of, I'll briefly talk about one that, um, it was my very first call ever after being uh, fully qualified. And when we train, we train in, you know, the perfect weather. And this call happened in the middle of the night, and it was the dark and stormy that you see in the movies. It, it actually happened. And um, we had to fly 70 miles offshore, to do a medevac of a, actually a Navy chief that was having a stroke. And uh, 70 miles from my helicopter is pushing it uh, for fuel, especially with the weight we had on board. So we had to get out there um, and assess the situation. Uh, the, there was no illumination for my pilot. He had to keep a hover with no horizon to look at. So. You know, I could see, like, say, that was God right there helping, helping him out. And then uh, instead of doing a rescue from 50 feet, what we trained for, we had to do this one from 100 feet up. It was my very first time. So we had to uh, use our training, come all together um, to get everything right. Um, time was a factor. We thought we'd be there for five minutes. It actually took 43 to complete this because conditions just kept changing. Um, but... Long story short, we got the patient up, and then our rescue swimmers, they're our, uh, our EMTs. They're the guys that ride in the back with the patient, and he was on board the ship. And so we had one shot to get him um, back up, or else 
we would have had to leave him there. And I kind of would have had to play the role of crew chief and, and rescue swimmer at that point. But uh, I had a, about a five foot by five foot window to drop this hook um, from 100 feet up. And that was God. We did it. We got the swimmer up. And we landed at the hospital with about 10 minutes of fuel left on the helicopter. And uh, we heard the next week from the, uh, the captain of the Navy ship, we all got letters from him saying the guy, uh, he's going to be all right. So, you know, stuff like that, that, that's a miracle from God in my eyes, like that, that, that worked out that way. So that's a neat story. Well, you know, it's just, I mean, these things, they get you, and, it, you know, sometimes your adrenaline gets pumping. It's not always like the movies and TVs. I mean, a lot of this is just, I can't imagine the fear factor. I mean, you guys, a lot of times, are just, you're just gone, you know, just doing what you're trained to do, you know. Um, appreciate that. Um, also, there's a question, I call it the Smokey the Bear question, and it, and it kind of relates to us, really, it does very much relate to us. If you look at Genesis 2:28, one of the things it says is that God has given us this planet, and he's put all things under us, to take care of. You know, we're supposed to take care of our planet. And so, you know, there's been so many fires lately, so I thought, you know what, are there any tips you can give people about how to prevent fires? You know, um, at least the, the, the record-setting fires we've had, that kind of thing. Yeah. So what I used to tell a lot of the folks in, in Stockton uh, when we'd go on drug lab fires is, Always cook your meth outside. <laughs> good. Very good. <laughs> Hopefully that's not applicable for anybody here. <laughs> Randy, that's good. <laughs> um... This information will be on calfire.org. Um, that will tell you all the Smokey the Bear type stuff. And the fire, fire service always talks about if you guys live in the uh, urban interface, uh, kind of like a lot of Oakdale actually is, when you, you're not really in a downtown neighborhood, you kind of got some property around you. Um, they talk about defensible space, and that's creating a, a space that uh, vegetation fire won't, uh, radiant heat will not, will not set your house on fire. Um, or direct flame impingement won't set your house on fire. So you have your vegetation uh, out. Now, Doug was just at a, a large, largest fire we've had in the state, um, and you would see a bunch of houses not burned, and then one house is completely burned up. And you wonder, how in the world did that happen? That happened in uh, an ember storm. Uh, it's very windy there, right? Uh, embers were flying horizontally, and um, so when you just see weird houses, like that one's burnt, that one's burnt, that one's not, that one's not, um, those embers hit the roof, they roll down the roof, they get in the gutters, there's pine needles in the gutters, and now your house's on fire, or the embers go into your vent in your attic, and that will set it on fire. So you want to get your defensible space, and then uh, if you're prepping your house, you know there is a fire coming up, um, you can put a piece of plywood or something over your, your uh, attic vents, keep your rain gutters clean. Uh, if everybody would do that, there would have been less houses burned. But this one that Doug went to was unusual. Winds up to 70 miles an hour. Uh, what was the rate of, rate of spread? I think it was eight football fields a minute. Eight football fields a minute. Uh, you can't outrun it. Um, Scott Van Dyken could outrun it. But most people <laughs> couldn't outrun it. Um, so anyway, uh, 
CalFire.org will give you all, all that you need to know um, to keep your house safe. Very good. Doug? Yeah, the campfire was, uh, the, well, Paradise is the size of uh, Oakdale, and practically every house burned to the ground uh, in the outlying areas. There were houses that were protected, like Randy said. And part of our job when we first got up there for the first two or three days was to pick winners and losers, and that depended on whether the house was defendable or, or not. And if it wasn't, we would go to a house that, that we knew we could actually save. Um, with humidity as low as it was and the winds as high as it was, uh, we were fire observers instead of firefighters. Um, spent a lot of time getting people out of the way, prepping houses, and just trying to save what we could. Yeah. Um, real quick, in the, in the past 40 years, the biggest change I've seen are uh, uh, smoke detectors. We used to lose a lot of people in house fires. Uh, with the invention of smoke detectors, it saved thousands and thousands of lives. But you'd be surprised how often we go to a, a call for a medical emergency in a house and the smoke detectors beeping or the doors open. And uh, people would rather use that battery to have their garage door going up and down than possibly saving a family member or themselves. So uh, uh, that, that's one point that I, I just can't stress enough is take care of your, your family and, uh, yeah. by using smoke detectors. It, it doesn't happen like it should. That's good. And uh, also, what I'd like to, about the smoke detectors as well, I know Manteca has it. I know a lot of fire, other fire departments probably have it. If, if, you can't, if you're unable to change your batteries out, you know, the fire, fire department, you can call them, and we'll come out and change them for you if, if you need it. But... It's, it's very important just to just go off what they were saying. Yeah, ours usually, ours usually go off with our meals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my timer. Um, well, you know, um, I, I talked to a friend. One of my, my best buddies, his dad was, um, he was in forestry. He was a, you know, he, he had a position in the government in forestry for a while. And I went to his dad's memorial and I met a, a guy there, an old timer who was, I think, in in retirement or whatever. And these guys were older, probably, you know, at, at the time, even probably. I mean, we're talking 70s, probably 80s. They'd been around a while. But this one guy, he said, "You know what?" He said, "I used to fight fires down in in Southern California." And he said, "The difference is they're a lot faster down there, but up here there's a lot more foliage and they're not as fast." But he goes, "Lately, they've been going as fast up here as they do down there, but with more to burn." So he said, "That's and that's and I've heard that." repeatedly, you know, and there's, there's, there's a big concern with that. So, again, you know, take care of, make sure you clear out your, you know, your areas. I mean, a lot of the problems we have now, I guess, that, and some of you guys have mentioned that, is that just the forests need to be cleaned, and we need to, and that's been a lot in the news, too. So that's something to keep in mind, I guess, more on the end of things to think about, to vote for, pray for, is that we need to, you know, there's a lot of dead trees and stuff out there, and it needs to be cleaned, uh, and so that we keep it from you know, having these horrible fires. Um, and sometimes there, you have to have fires, too. Sometimes, you know, you do have to clean some areas out. But there's just a lot, lot there, a lot that you take in. Um, but good ideas, good, good tips. And the last question, really, for you today, um, and this sort of can kind of tie together some of the things that maybe we 
you know, that we've talked about and even cover some things that we haven't is prayer. Um, we want to pray for them. And I know Doug was grateful for the prayers that he had because that was a, the most horrific experience you've had, I think you shared with me in fire. Yeah, and so we, we want to pray for these guys. And how can we better pray for them and for firefighters in general and, and first responders and what they do? Um, Clay, could you start us off? Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed to, you know, be able to do this career path. And for myself, I guess, you know, pray um, just my journey to get the full-time job so, so I could do it full-time. But also uh, pray for my wife, my, my family, because... Um, this job, it's very time-consuming. I'm away from home a lot. And a lot, oftentimes my wife has to be a, a single parent. So I know she could use prayer there. Uh, and then, yeah, just pray for the families, you know, the campfire, everything that's been going on. Because a lot of those guys were left with nothing. Yeah, that would, that would be the suggestion I'd have as the victims of, you know, kind of like what Doug was alluding to. That was, you know, typically when you have a, a fire of any kind of magnitude you know you don't see a lot of structures that happen or I should say structures that burn or if there is then they usually have an advanced amount of warning to to get out but I mean a lot of people died because that, that was just it was just that fast and so you know whenever whenever anything like that comes up those those folks I can't imagine your whole town's gone and like now where are we gonna live where are the kids gonna go to school so hmm. when uh, People call 911. It's a, uh, usually a situation that continues to deteriorate until we get there to turn it around and start making things better. And uh, I would pray to help us make split decisions and, and make the proper decisions at the right time that's going to impact these people's lives. Yeah. Um, great career. Uh, very... Uh, adrenaline driven and uh, I love it I still do so uh, I would ask I think a lot of you already do this um, just when you hear the sirens somebody called for help um, I'm pretty sure a lot of you do this when you do hear the sirens you see them coming down the road first pray for the person called 911 um, and then pray for the firemen, just, just as Doug mentioned, that we make the right decisions, uh, that we get there safely, and, and that we take an emergency, and through the right uh, action, we make it a non-emergency, and that we could do it with a tender heart, uh, show love. Um, so you're going to hear sirens today, so now you know what to do. Thank you. Yeah, and pray for, and again, you know, I would, I would echo what we said at the beginning with Clay, pray for these guys' families. You know, we don't keep that in mind always, and uh, they each of them have, uh, I, I know each of these wives, we could bring each of your wives up here, they are all really special ladies, and, and they all just kind of perfectly, you can see that they, how they complement their husbands and their team. I mean, you, you know, there's a high divorce rate among firemen, um, and for good reason, it's a, it's a tough career, and you get, you know, it really, you know, if you're going to be married, you really have to be a team, and each of your wives... They're, they're those kinds of women, and, and that's, really, um, that's really good. But they need your prayers anyway. So be praying for them and uh, for them to just continue to work well together as a team and as a family. And thank you guys so much for sharing with us today. That was great. Anything else to add? Anything you, we left out? Or are we ready to go? If i got time, one more thing. To okay, go ahead. I like microphones. It's kind of <laughs> <laughs> 
what you don't see in the fire service is the firehouse, um, what goes on in the firehouse. And uh, 1% of our job are out there doing what, what you guys might get to see. Um, in the firehouse is a challenge. What we do, as I work in the Bay Area, um, is you get thrown in a, a small building often. Uh, in my, I had a three-company house, so I had 10 people in that small building. And very possibly they're from 10 different cultures, 10 different belief systems. Um, they see life in different ways possibly. And you're going to be uh, within three feet of that guy for the next 72 hours, 48 hours, 96 hours, however it turns out to be. And, and that is very difficult. And that, that is truly the art of being a good firefighter, learning how to live in that environment and become brothers and sisters with one another. Uh, within time, you truly start loving each other. And you're so different. But you come together. And, and what's helped, helped me do that was um, Romans 12, 9 through 21. I just invite you to read that. It, it, it kind of instructs us on how to love each other and love the difficult to love. And it gives you steps in how you do that and how you need to do it in sincerity and without Romans, um, without Romans 12, 9 through 21, uh, I would not have enjoyed the success I did in the firehouse. Randy, you shared one more thing. I wanted to put you on the spot one more time. As you shared, and, and I think this is a, a good visual kind of an illustration for us. You told Sharice, if you, if you were ever to die, uh, what would happen? Share that with us, please, because I, I think that's, that's a, a great illustration of how it should be for us as a church, because we're talking about the diversity. We're diverse, too, but not to the degree that you're talking about, and yet it comes together. Could you share that? Well, if, if something terrible like that should happen, um, my church family, I know they would be there. Um, but I really know my fire guys will be there. Uh, there'll be 400 people. It's tight. It's tight. It's a great, great illustration of these guys, all this diversity, but they all come together for the purpose of serving the public. And especially, I think it takes on a whole new meaning like any other profession when the person doing it knows and loves Jesus Christ. Um, and they know that they're doing it for God's glory. Um, and so I really appreciate each of these men for what they do um, and each of you for whatever it is that you do because um, there's nothing that is better than the other. You do what God gave you to do, and uh, that's what he rewards us for in heaven is, is our faithfulness to him. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for these guys. What a blessing it is to share this uh, platform with them. Thank you for um, their ministries to their, to their families, to their friends, um, and their ministry on behalf of you to, um, to those whom you, you called them to serve. And in some cases, they, they aren't serving any more specifically, but they've had a, a ministry there, and whatever they're doing now, it's their ministry. And pray that each of us would be inspired um, to better care for our, our environment, uh, to, to, to keep from having fires, but um, especially that you would help us to, to grow, to be more inspired, to live our lives for you in whatever we do, and to be praying for others, and specifically today, um, for firemen. Thank you for their ministry and pray that you would, um, all the things we've talked about, that you would utilize that in their lives, um, in ministry, uh, in caring for others. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.